What, what, what an awesome video. Isn't it a cool picture? I mean, that, that, that's our church. That's Genesis Church. And uh, I, I don't know, every time I watch it, I've been able to watch it a couple of times. I, I just think it, it's a great, great picture, a great story uh, of the people of Genesis Church. And uh, what, what an awesome thing. Thanks to John and Jennifer Moon who have been working on these videos for us. But I watch that video and it makes me happy. It just makes me happy, and I think that's a good way to start uh, this morning uh, for so many. A special thanks to you. Uh, thanks to you that serve regularly. Thanks for you that jump right in and say, you know, I want to play a part. Genesis Church is my home. I don't want to be just a spectator here, but I, I want to be a participant uh, in the work that God is doing through this church. You know, someone said to me last week, we were having a great conversation uh, after one of the services. They said, you know, I, I love this church. And I said, I love this church. I've only been coming for about a year. I, I love the people of this church. I, I love the fact that we're growing. And, and then he said this, and I appreciate what he said. I, I just hope that we don't lose our edge. We don't lose, you know, what makes us unique uh, as a church, what makes us a special church. And I think that is so important. I mean, I really commended him for what he said. I mean, I, I feel like that is so important to us, you know, and, and what it means for us as a church. What does it mean for us to move forward, to be committed to what God has called us to do, you know, to do the very things that make this place special and make this place unique. I mean, we are growing as a result of that. I mean, we are growing because of the work of God through the people of this church. I mean, what makes this church unique is directly affecting, you know, our growth and the reason why, you know, our influence is, is spreading right here in Noblesville in Hamilton County. You know, as we grow together, as we grow as a church it is going to become even more important, even more critical that every single one of us here plays a part. That every person plays a part. Any person who calls Genesis Church their home, it will be important for you to play a part. Now, that means that we all welcome new people. You know, that means that we all join together in worship. That means that we all come together, you know, in groups that we, we seek out relationships with one another and we never get to this place where we forget that there may be others on the outside who want to be a part of this same community that we're trying to establish here, you know, through Genesis Church. I mean, everyone plays a part means that we all contribute in some way. I mean, this is Genesis Church. If this is not you, this is probably not your church. You know, if, if this isn't what you're willing to commit to, if this isn't who you are or what you want to be about, then this probably isn't the right place. This is Genesis. This is who we are. You know, we're about helping people find their way back to God at all costs. You know, whatever risks that need to be taken, whatever bold steps need to be taken, this is who we are and this is what we're about. You know, we've titled this special series, we, we've entitled it Next. We looked at this word for a long time as a team and it just seemed odd. Next, really. I mean, it's almost, is it misspelled? Is it really a word or not? I mean, it was kind of comical to us for a while. But it's next. It's just, God, what do you want next for us? What do you have next for this church? What do you have next for me in my life? What, what do you want to do through my family? What do you want to do with this facility here? What do you want to do in our Gen Kids ministry, and our Gen Students ministry? God, we are ready and willing and listening and prepared to follow you to whatever is next. You know, if you've been around this place for the last few weeks or the last few months, you know that we've been talking about what it means for us to take some steps as a church to expand our influence, but to also expand our facility right here at 1702 Pleasant. Uh, we are committed to be better at reaching children. Uh, we're committed to doing a greater job at reaching students. We want to be about reaching students. And, and anyone new who walks into this building, we want this facility, this church to communicate, we've been expecting you. And we're glad you're here. We're, we're so thankful that you've come. You know, and this sort of expansion that we're considering that we'll be asking you to make a commitment to today requires additional gifts over and above what you currently give generously to this church. 
And I hope that if you've come this morning and if Genesis Church is your home, that you have come to pre- uh, prepared to respond in some way. And I hope you've prayed about this. We're, we're going to be taking a look at one very important passage of Scripture this morning. And when we're finished, uh, I'll pray and then I'm going to invite our host team to come forward and to pass out to you a commitment card today. We're going to pass these down the rows. If Genesis Church is your home, I hope that you'll take one of these. You can take one per household. Uh, It doesn't matter whatever you choose to do. If Genesis Church is not your church, uh, if you're new, if you're just checking us out, you're welcome to take one uh, just so that you don't feel odd in the moment or you can simply pass it on down. We'll leave that choice completely up to you. But uh, we're going to hand these out in just a little while. And I I hope that you've come prepared, uh, prayerfully prepared this morning to respond in some way. Because what we're asking of you is this, that if Genesis Church is your home, we're asking for full participation in this. You know, and for you, that may mean that God has laid a number on your heart where you're willing to say, hey, here's what our family is willing to do. Here's what I'm willing to do. Over the course of the next two years, I'm making this commitment over and above my current gifts uh, towards this next project, towards this expansion, uh, time for our influence and our facility. If for whatever reason... You know, and you call Genesis Church your home. You are choosing not to participate. You know, for whatever reason, God's laid it on your heart. This is not the right time for you. For whatever reason, you don't have to give any explanation. We would love to hear from you. And what you'll find on this commitment card is there's an opportunity to make a commitment to pray. Uh, if, if you make a commitment to pray with us, would you please pray? Uh, if you're not willing to make a commitment to pray, don't, don't check the box. You know, just make, make that commitment. And then there's also a box that just says, hey, I'm just choosing not to, to participate at this time. Again, this is for people that call Genesis Church your home. If you're new, if you want to jump in on it, we'd love to have you. We invite you to do that. But again, we'll take care of this together in a few minutes. But before then, um, I want to talk about one very important uh, passage of Scripture today. If you've got your Bibles, uh, you can get them ready. Uh, we've been looking at 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse 21, for the last few weeks. Seems like eternity, but we've been looking at it for the last few weeks. And Peter is writing uh, to a group of believers, to followers of Jesus... Uh, that are experiencing some very difficult times all throughout the Roman Empire. And it's important to realize that as you read these words, he's writing to an audience that is facing persecution. All right, Times have not been great. Suffering has been great. And, And Peter, even in the midst of those very difficult times, is calling them to a higher standard of living. He's just saying, hey, if you're going to call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you're going to make this commitment with your life, here's what it looks like. Then he unpacks that in a number of different ways, but I want to just look at this one verse again, one last time for this series this morning. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Peter writes, to this you were called, meaning specifically, hey, here's what it looks like. Here, here's, here's the life that you've been called to, that I've been called to in a nutshell. Because Christ suffered for you, because he came to this earth, As the Son of God, He suffered and He gave His life as a ransom for many. He not only came and lived and died, He left us an example, leaving you an example. And now what should we do? What are we called to? You and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, Genesis Church, we are called to follow in the steps of Jesus Christ. Uh, We've talked about Christ's commitment to care and compassion. We're called to that. We've talked about Christ's commitment to generosity, to giving. We're called to that. We've talked about Christ's uh, commitment to service. As he served, that's the life that you and I are called to. And and this morning, I want to talk to you about what it means to make disciples. You know, you and I have been called. Every one of us here in this room today have been called to a new way of life. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your personal Savior, um, you you are called to this this great life, this life that we've been invited to. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're missing the point of life. 
And my prayer for you, our prayer for you, is that you would make a decision in your life to know Jesus and to love Him and to serve Him. But for Christians, this life that we've been called to is not about simply getting a ticket to heaven and then coasting, you know, from that point forward. There's, there's a greater life we've been called to, a greater way of living. And Jesus left us an example. He left us this life to model we are called to follow in His steps. Now, some of you, some of you that know Jesus as your Savior, uh, some of you know that there is this call on your life and you're seeking it. I mean, you're making sacrifices. You're doing everything you can to seek out this life that we've been called to. Some of you are aware of the life, the calling that has been placed on your life. And you know that sometimes you're right on track. You know, but if you're like me, you know, sometimes you can be on track. And then there are other days and weeks and seasons of life that just get real sloppy. And we kind of lose focus a bit. Some of you are Christians and have heard something of this greater call. But up until now, for whatever reason... You've chosen not to respond. And you know there is a life that we are called to live as Christians, but you've never seen the value in it. But maybe, you know, just maybe by God's work in you, by God's grace, the last couple of months have been a challenging time to you as we've been talking about this difference between a fan of Jesus Christ and a follower of Jesus Christ. And you see the difference. I mean, you see the difference. You see the call. You sense the invitation. And you're ready to respond. And that's what today is for. I mean, today is about accepting that invitation that you and I, we are invited to follow in the steps of Jesus. We are invited to live as he lived. Will you accept that invitation? Will you accept that great call in your life? You know, Jesus died on the cross. You're like, duh, I know that. I mean, we call it the crucifixion. He rose from the dead. We call it the resurrection. Well, Jesus spent 40 days on the earth after his resurrection, spending time with people and teaching, and he went back to heaven. We call it the ascension. We call it the ascension. You can see it at the end of uh, the Gospel of Matthew. You can see it at the beginning of the book of Acts. Moments before Jesus ascended into heaven, he shared some final words with his disciples, words that are recorded for us in Scripture. Now, parting words are very important, aren't they? I mean, final words, if you know you've got some final words, you're going to put some thought into them. I mean, if you're the savior of the world and you're about to hand over the reins of this mission expansion project to a group of nobody disciples, you're going to choose your words wisely. You're going to give just the right instructions. And it's kind of like when maybe my wife leaves with the kids to go somewhere. I mean, maybe they're off to her parents or something. I might say something like, be careful or be safe. You know, I love you. You know, and it's not like she's going to drive like a lunatic or something if I don't say those words, you know. But, but I have to say them. They have to come out of my mouth. There's a, a sense of peace that come with them. But this is a greater moment here, much greater. Greater moment here for Jesus. These are foundational words. And he's reminding the disciples, he's reminding you and me of the task that is before us, the life that we've been called to in Christ. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. They've gathered on this mountaintop and it says that Jesus came to them and here's what he said. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I mean, you go to the cross and die and come back from the dead, you get the same privilege as well. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me by my Father in heaven. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And Jesus said, and as you do it, surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. 
I mean, these are his final words. And it wasn't like Jesus was giving some off-the-cuff words, you know, that he thought up as they were walking to the top of this mountain. I mean, he's basically saying, hey, I've, I've taught you a lot. I've shown you how to live. And it all comes down to this right now. Here's what's most important. As you build your churches, as you live your lives, remember this. I have some important things to say about dress code. You know, there, as you think about your churches and stuff, dress code will be very important to me. Um, men in ties, women in bonnets. You know, I mean, that, that's the way it's supposed to be, you know. Or, or don't ever let drums in the church, folks. You know, they don't, the organ is my favorite instrument. Don't bring the devil's music into the building. You know, or make sure that there's a really, really, really tall steeple on top of every building that you ever occupy as a church. This is what's most important to me. You sense in the sarcasm, I'm just being silly here. Help me out, help me out. All right, just a chuckle or something. Now, I mean, these are Jesus' final words. And what does he say? I mean, it's in the beginning of verse 19. Four words, go and make disciples. Four words. Right, let's just focus on those four words this morning. I, I realize there's more in these verses than we can talk about in just the few minutes that we have. So I just want to focus on the four words this morning. It's the heart of the message. It's the heart of Jesus' commission of these disciples right here. He says, go and make disciples. Now that's God's dream for his people. You know, his mission, his his purpose statement for the disciples 2,000 years ago, it's the call on our lives as followers of Jesus today, go and make disciples. If you're taking notes, write it down. Write it down that you are called to make disciples. As a follower of Jesus Christ, You are called to make disciples. I mean, his final words, his final assignment, an assignment to forever be marked incomplete until the day that Jesus Christ returns. It's an assignment for Christians. Uh, It's not an assignment for Christians who just simply want to go overboard, you know, with this Jesus stuff. It's not only for those who say, well, I've got the spiritual gift of evangelism. It's for each of us. This is the assignment, this is the mission that's been placed on our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. If you call Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, this is your command. Go and make disciples. Now, interestingly enough, it's the mission of our church. You know, the mission statement of Genesis Church has been and will ever continue to be helping people find their way back to God. It's just another way of saying go and make disciples. I mean, that that is our DNA, that's our past, that's our present, that's our future. That we are about helping people find their way back to God. We're about making disciples. You know, how long will our mission last? You know, how how long are we in it for? You know, how long do we have to be so concerned about helping people find their way back to God? I mean, when we reach, uh, when we come to be a church of 200, then can we call it quits? I mean, is that enough? Is that pleasing to you, God? Or, Or can we stop there? Or how about when we become a church of 500? Is that finally enough? You know, then can we kick back and just take it easy and just enjoy the way things are? I think we have a difficult time winning that argument with our God in heaven. I mean, Jesus wasn't satisfied with 99 of 100 sheep, and we certainly won't be either. And so as a church, we're making a commitment to explore and consider every means with which we can to reach people with the message of Jesus Christ. And whether that's facility expansion or church planting or overseas mission, We are set, we are primed, we are on focus to help people find their way back to God because that's what we've been called to do. And so we're not about to stop now. 
And as your leader and as your friend, as your fellow journey person in all of this, I say full speed ahead. God, what do you have for us? Now, what does this type of life look like for you and me? You know, because we can read these words and we, we can print them on a piece of paper and they look great. But what does it really mean to embrace these things and say, you know what, that's what we're about. That's what I'm about. It, it means nothing for our church unless you and I get it. I mean, helping people find their way back to God means nothing for our church unless you and I get it. I mean, what's this mean for you? Well, let's take a look at the text for just a moment. If you've got your Bibles open uh, in Matthew chapter 28 there, just back to verse 19, the, the first of those four words, Jesus said, go. And Jesus said, go and make disciples. Now, the Greek word here is the Greek word poruomai. I mean, it, it simply means grow, go, but, but as you get into this word, as you understand the, the grammar of this particular word, it, miner, it literally means as you go. It, it means as you go, or we could say as you do life, uh, as you continue moving forward. You know, and that's good to know because a lot of people think that going and making disciples just is about, you know, going to a place like, you know, Tumakistan or some island, you know, that we've never heard of before or something, that that's where you go to make disciples, well, those are great things. You know, I pray that if you've never had the opportunity to take a mission trip, that at some point in your life you will go on a mission trip. You know, I, I pray that you will go on one of the many trips that we offer to Haiti you know, or to another place in the future. I mean, it will change your life. Yes, that is a part of making disciples. But to go and make disciples means to help people find their way back to God every day in everything that you do, as you go, as you do life. I mean, so if you're a bank teller, I mean, it means that you look for ways to share the love of Jesus with every person that you come in contact with. You're continually focused on that. It, it means that if your kid plays lacrosse, you know, you look for opportunities to reach out and to build relationships with other parents on the team. I mean, if you're a dad, it means sharing Christ's love with, with your children as you raise them. Jesus said, as you do life, as you go about each day, each week, make disciples. Go and make disciples. Now, some of you are like, you know what? I hear it, but I don't really get it. I, I don't really feel qualified, you know, in this. You know, I don't even have the tabs on the pages of my Bible yet. I don't know very much about the Bible. You know, I, I don't have any verses memorized. I can't teach anything. I sure, I, I don't know the answers to tough questions. You know what? I, I, I can, I can, I can understand that. Tough, tough. And we don't have to have the answers to all the tough questions. Just go. There are no exceptions. You are called. I'm called. Everyone is called. Everyone who knows Christ. And, and God equips us. And, and all through Scripture, He promises to empower us. You know, ultimately, it is God who changes hearts. We don't change hearts. We just plant seeds. You know, we just share with others. You know, God uses us and supplies us everything that we need to live for Him. And because I know that, that you, like me, may struggle in this, and then face challenges in reaching others. I just want to point out two very simple, quick things this morning that can kind of help us understand what it means to go, to as you go, as you do life, what it means to make disciples. You and I are called to make disciples. How, how do you ever begin to do that? The first thing is by your example. And if you're taking notes, you want to write that down. How can we do that? It's, it's by your example. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. The writer says this. He says, hey, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You know, he's committed to following in the steps of Jesus. He is saying this to all of these new believers in this new church. Hey, follow my example as I seek to follow the example of Christ. You know, as you go, as you do life, seek to follow the life that Jesus lived. You know, you and I are called to, to be an example to others in the way that we live our lives. Back when I was uh, 
in high school. I, I spent the last couple of years of high school and the first couple of years of college uh, working for an appliance company and just went out every day and delivered and installed kitchen appliances. And it was a rough crowd. I was a, it was a great group of people, but just a very rough crowd, a crowd that I wasn't used to having spent a lot of time with. And there was one particular guy that I worked with, and we worked in the warehouse together, and we were always out on deliveries together. His name was Chris, and he was a rough dude. I mean, I was so thankful that he was on my side. You know, if I ever needed to go to battle with somebody, I'd go, I'd go get Chris. I'd take Chris with me. I mean, he's a big guy, rough guy, tough guy, you know, alcohol, drugs, you know, just just a very difficult in our rough life. And I spent a couple of years working with Chris. And then when I went off to college, he went off to some other things. Well, I later learned uh, that he had been arrested for stealing and was going to spend some time in prison. Well, a couple of years passed and I was at home one weekend from college and, and I found out that he was out of prison. Uh, he was living with his wife. Uh, just a couple of blocks away from where my parents were living. And at the same time, I had discovered that he had become a Christian. He had given his life to Jesus Christ uh, while in prison. And I don't remember the circumstances, but for whatever reason, we got together one evening and he was telling me a story and I saw nothing but an absolute changed man. I mean, it was, it was just awesome to see the transformation that had taken place in this guy's life. And, and I remember as we sat around the table and we were talking and, and just kind of rehashing the past a little bit, you know, I said to him, I said, Chris, you know, I said, I, I really feel guilty. I mean, I'm so excited that you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, but, but I, I, took, I just took you for granted the whole time that we, we worked together. I, I never, you know, took an opportunity to ask any questions or to share my faith with you. And in a most humbling moment, you know, a moment that only could have been orchestrated by God and, and God working in spite of me. You know, Chris said to me, he goes, you have no idea what your example meant to me as I was sitting with that prison chaplain and as they were explaining to me what it meant to know Jesus Christ. I, I kept looking back you know, to my relationship with you and others who were following Jesus Christ. You know, you and I have no idea how we might be influencing someone right now, you know, with your faith, you know, your choices, the way you honor God with your life. I mean, people are watching you. They are always watching you. You know, and parents, this is especially true for you. I mean, as parents, one of the greatest callings on your life right now is to teach and to raise your children to know and to love Jesus Christ. I mean, that is what you are called to do. I mean, it's making disciples. Your child is a gift to you. And it's your responsibility to teach them and to raise them and to train them to know and to love Jesus. You know, the most important thing for you is to not make sure that they're involved in 40 different things and that they're the best soccer player in the area, you know, by the age of eight. I mean, this means nothing in comparison to your children knowing and loving Jesus Christ. Your most important work is to set an example for your kids. You know, and that's what I want for my life. And, and sometimes I do okay in this and sometimes I fail. And so I want to be an example to my kids. I, I want to be an example. I want my boys to see me, you know, reading my Bible. I want my boys to go and to watch, you know, me play a, a, in a basketball game and, and to keep my cool. You know, I, I want my boys, you know, when I, I kick their butts in Mario Kart on the Wii to see that I don't rub it in their face, you know, even though Joel beat me two out of four games the other day. <laughs> you know I mean? We are called to be an example. I want my little girl to see that way that I love my wife, her mom, so that one day she will choose a man who loves her and not a man who just simply wants love from her. You and I are called to be an example. You can help people find their way back to God through your example. You can be that example on your next business trip. 
You, you can be that example for someone by extending grace to the mom who lives down the street that no one else enjoys. You can be an example by appreciating the coach even when he doesn't play your kid. You are called to make disciples. You, you can do that through your example. St. Francis of Assisi said these famous words, you know, we preach and are you, you and I for the community today, faith example. So now I'm saying that words. I mean, we pray to the disciples in the words. He says, Art, prepared to give an answer to anyone, to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So as people see your example, as they see the way that you live, they are going to be drawn to God through you. God is going to use your example. He's going to use the way that you treat your kids or the way that you treat your spouse. He's going to use your example as you forgive others or the way that you manage your finances or the way that you manage your employees or the accuracy that you use when you fill out your travel expense reports at work. God is going to use this example to make an impression on people. And when they ask, what's different about you? I mean, what's different about your life? What is it that you have that I don't? In those moments, will you be prepared to give an answer to everyone to tell you, uh, that asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have? Will you be prepared? And, and here's the thing for you as followers of Jesus, no matter how long you've been at this, there's an incredible benefit to knowing your Bible, no doubt. And I'm committed, and I hope that we're all committed to, to becoming students of the Word of God, to study God, to know theology. And, and there's nothing wrong with knowledge. But if you're just getting started in this, if you're just getting started in this journey as a, a new follower of Jesus Christ, remember this. Sharing your faith isn't so much dependent on how many verses you have memorized or all of the knowledge that you could hope to attain. It's not being able to explain dispensationalism or the difference between Calvinism or Arminianism. I mean, I think this verse helps us understand that it's you ready and willing to share the hope that you have through the work that Jesus Christ has done for you. I mean, if someone asks you, why is your life different? I mean, why do you live the way that you live? Are you prepared to give an answer. And don't play it down as a big deal or don't play it down in that, well, my story's boring or it's plain. It doesn't really matter. It's a story. It's your story and it's the story of how Jesus Christ has changed your life forever. You know, it's sharing the reason that you gave your life to Jesus Christ and why he has changed you and how everything continues to change. I mean, can you tell your story? Can you share in your own words what Jesus has done for you? Are you ready to give a reason for the hope that you have? You know, I love the story of the woman at the well, uh, the Samaritan woman. She's had a horrible reputation. She's been with plenty of men, and everyone in her particular community realizes it's what she was known for. And Jesus met her at this well. She was all by herself, and Jesus forgave her, and her life was radically altered forever. Her eternity uh, was found in heaven. And the story goes that she left Jesus and she went running back to her village, the same people that had rejected her, and shared her story. And her story was convincing enough that they were willing to follow her back to Jesus. And many people were saved in that particular community. Now, what's the power of the story? It's Jesus Christ working in the life of this woman. It's the Holy Spirit present in each of these situations but, but the writer of this particular story made sure to be very clear that the power of this woman's story was convincing enough that they were willing to follow her back to Jesus. You have been given a story. 
of how Jesus Christ has changed your life and continues to change you. Are you prepared to share it? Are you prepared to to lead people to Jesus with with your story and how He has changed everything for you? Uh, You've got a story. It's a story that requires words. It's, It's that story of how Jesus Christ has changed your life. And if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you know, I, I, I want you to embrace this. You were called to make disciples. If you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've made that decision in your life, if you call Genesis Church your home, you are called to make disciples. There are no exceptions. It's not my responsibility for you. It's not the responsibility of this church. It's not the responsibility of this worship service, an outreach team, or a service project. It's your call. It's your mission. It's your purpose. Embrace it. Feel it. Be moved by it. Be challenged by it. Take it in right now. And I know you may doubt this, It might even make you a little bit uneasy and you wonder how in the world could God use me? How could God use my example or my story? Well, look at it like this. Are you married? I mean, if you're married, if you're in this room right now, if you're married, God can use you and He can use your marriage. He can use it as a great story. And your marriage, it might not be perfect. It might be filled with some ups and downs, but you love one another. And you take a look at your marriage and say, hey, there have been some cracks, there have been some tough places along the way, but we're still together, we're committed, and we love one another. And over the years, you know, you've formed some healthy habits in your marriage for a reason. God can use your marriage. I mean, marriages around this country and in this community today are in a sharp decline. Are you ready for God to use the story that comes through your marriage? Do you work in the real world? I'm going to guess that many of you work in the real world, God can use that. He can use you right now at your company, at your store, at your bank. He can use you in your building. He can use your attitude. He can use the way that you treat people, the way that you talk about your spouse when you're around other employees, the way that you treat others. God can use the way that you manage. He can use the way that you lead. God can use the story that comes from where you work. Do you go to school right now? I mean, we see the best and the worst in our schools today. You know, what do our students need? They need involvement uh, and support from their parents. They need God-honoring teachers to model the way. But do you know what else they need? They need students. They need students who are committed followers of Jesus Christ, who are willing to stand up with their life right now and say, I'll take even the light of Jesus Christ into some of the darkest places and darkest hallways that I go down. God can use your story, and he can use it in your school or on your campus. Do you pray? God can use your prayers. I mean, he can give you opportunities to pray for and to pray with others. Do you, do you like to work with your hands? God can use your skills to reach out and to show love to others. Do you have financial experience? You know, if you have financial experience or maybe you realize and understand that the borrower is a slave to the lender, you've learned a number of lessons throughout life that God can use that. He can use that experience. He, he can use your skills to encourage others. I mean, if you've been hurt by someone but chosen to forgive, if you've done that, God can use that story. He he can use that example. Do you have a wild past? God can use that. Uh, Maybe you've had an abortion in your past. God can use that. He can redeem that. Have, Have you struggled with drugs and alcohol in your life? God can use that. He can use that example. He's ready and willing to redeem that and to use that story. God can work with you and through you. 
your words and your stories to help people find their way back to God. 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give a reason, to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Are you prepared? Are you ready and willing to use your story? Now, some of you would say, I can't do this. I, I don't know how to do this. You can. You can. You and I are called by God. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. There are people around you every, t- every day, all of the time, who need Jesus. And maybe they realize it and maybe they don't. You know, there are people in your life right now who God has put there for a purpose. And He's ready for you to acknowledge that and to realize that. And, and God has put them there so that you can disciple them and you are going to lift them up and, and you are going to build them up. And, and for some of you, you are going to point them to Jesus. You're going to lead them to Christ. And on the day that you do that, you're going to look back to a moment like this when you said, you know what, yes, I embrace this call. I embrace what God has put on my life. And you're going to look back to this moment here this morning when you made a commitment and said, yes. Embrace this. Take it as your personal mission. You know, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you know, before the disciples departed, he says, hey, when all this happens, as you go about doing life on a daily basis, as you build churches and seek to reach others, oh, there's one other thing. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. You will receive power that the promise for us as followers of Jesus Christ is that God lives in us. He is capable of greater things that we are not capable of. There's a power inside of us to show us the way. Are you ready to make that commitment? Let's pray. God, I just want to pray for uh, the men and women in this room, the students right now, Lord, who are ready to make a commitment in their life to make disciples, that as we go, um, that through our example, we can help people know you. As we share our stories, as we share great words, God, as we in humility tell the stories of our lives and what it is that you've done for us, God, that you can use that, you can redeem that. And God, this morning we want to acknowledge that there are people in our life right now who are there for a purpose. And we are called to to reach them, to, to give an example, to share our story. As we sit here with our eyes closed and our heads bowed right now, who's one person that God has been putting on your heart and your mind that needs to know Jesus Christ, that they might be there in your life right now for a reason? Can you think of one face? One name, one person. God, thank you for these reminders this morning. Would you show us what it looks like to live for you, to reach out to these, to plant seeds? You change hearts, God, but you choose to use us along the way. Will you give us a greater commitment, a greater passion for these lives this morning? May we trust you. Will you use us to help people find their way back to God, you know, in our everyday life and through this church? But remind us this morning, show us this morning that it begins with us, no one else. It begins with us. 
And God, I pray for those in the room this morning, Lord, who don't know you as their Lord and Savior. Maybe today is the day that you choose to work in their heart. They understand and realize that they have a greater need for God, a greater need for Jesus Christ. Would you invite them to move forward in that decision today, God? That nothing would stand in the way. No fear in this. But a great invitation from you. God, we're committed to follow you. We're committed as a church to follow you, God. No one else leads but you. And I pray, God, that you would help us to understand and realize this morning that our commitment uh, to such a bold mission as a church begins here with our individual lives today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.